What's up, guys, and welcome to episode 48 of the Yard Podcast. I'm your host, Randy. And I'm your host, Coney. And we've got a another great episode for you guys today um as always if you could do us a favor and give us a rating and review on apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it been saving these uh for the end of the show but i feel like saying it early this week so if you guys could leave us a rating and review it would mean the world to us the dodgers have a game here in just two more hours um they are facing the brewers we got bueller on the mound today uh, pretty much looking like our opening day lineup, so I'm excited to see that. I would personally like to see Pollock swapped out with Taylor for opening day in Colorado, um, but Barnes behind the plate for Kershaw makes a little bit sense. He's in there today for Bueller. Um, should be a good game. Should be a fun game to watch the offense. The Dodgers do have to go up against Corbin Burns, uh, Josh Hader, and Devin Williams in today's game, so uh, a very good matchups we will see and facing some good big league pitching, so I am excited. I, I don't know. I, like I told you earlier, I think this is going to end up being a repeat of the Giants game where they just struck out a, sh- a shit ton. But I mean, as as long as they look comfortable up there, hopefully, because I know um, the Dodgers usually do hit Hater well, but he's going to make it a bit uncomfortable at least. For I just, people. I'm just glad they're facing elite big league pitching um i'm tired of some of these minor league pitchers we're getting too close to opening day nine days away until opening day start throwing the best pitchers at these guys because uh coming off a 60 game season going into 162 and only facing so much competition really the nl and al west uh it's time to open these guys up to some more pitching because it's gonna be a long season i'm looking forward to it but after last year uh it's gonna be a long 162 so we'll we'll see how they do a lot of people say the brewers have some of the better pitching in the game uh i don't know much about them except for some names so i'm looking forward to seeing this that nl central is wide open for these Um, garbage nl central sort of sort of i guess the best overall staff yeah well Uh, but i think a lot more people are arguing their bullpen but i only know of like hater Hater, william uh i know they have they still have claudio I think he said somewhere else. I don't know. But I think their bullpen's fine. Or the rotation. I always forget the, the dude's name. Woodruff. He, Woodruff, thank you. He's clearly their ace. Um, I mean they have some they have some decent pitching. I mean, obviously like the Braves and Padres are probably a lot better. Mets, Dodgers, but I mean they're decent enough. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens in today's game. But um, let's move on. Injury updates very, very quickly. We don't have much of an update on Mitchell White from the team. However, reporter Bill Plunkett did post a video last Wednesday of White throwing a bullpen session. He showed up sort of camp, so he's been behind. Uh, but like I said, we really don't have anything more than that. So no idea what's going on with him. Yeah, that's. I think that's. It's weird because I don't. They haven't said what's ailing him. We don't know what's going on. Um, like, I don't think he has any shot in the rotation, but maybe he can carve out a bullpen role at some point, or he just end up might getting traded where he can get a chance. So kind of need to start seeing him out there at some point. I for sure thought he was 100% a taxi squad guy. Like, that's where I thought he'd be coming in uh, at some point. So, yeah, it's really weird. The Dodgers have been quiet about a few of these uh, this spring. Joe Kelly being another one, just keep telling us he has an undisclosed injury, not really giving us anything to work with. He threw a 25-pitch bullpen Sunday morning. Again, not much of an update from a team, came from a reporter. He's still trying to build up arm strength, so we will see what happens there. Uh, Not looking good for him to open open up the season on the big league oh well on the big league roster obviously he'll, he'll be on the big league roster if he's in there he's not going to be on the minor league squad but it doesn't look like he's going to be on the opening day roster uh and another guy there is Gratterall which is so weird to me because as far as we know he isn't hurt Again, very minimal information coming out in regards to him and what's going on. Uh, but I added him to the injury update because it feels like he's injured because we're not even going to see him in a Cactus League game, uh, according to Roberts. They expect him to face hitters, uh, but it sounds like there's about zero chance of him facing like hitters on another team coming into a game, which is super unfortunate. And now they are saying it's unlikely he's on the opening day roster. Uh, last Wednesday, he did get in a 25 pitch bullpen session and mixed in some sliders. And Robert said he looked really good, but again, not really getting too much from the team about what's going on. Just that he could not throw off a mound in the off season. They've been super quiet on a lot of things. And I, I I mean, you don't have to tell us exactly what's going on, but give us a little something. Um, 
but I mean, at least he's throwing now. So hopefully Dennis Santana can hold down that spot for the first month or so until Gratterall gets ready uh, because Gratterall is going to be an important part of this team. His stuff is good and he definitely brings a different energy and it's definitely going to be needed this year to uh, get back to get back and win the world series. Yeah. M- much needed uh, with him in there. So uh, I, I don't really know what to say except for, I don't want to say get well soon cause he's fine, but hope to see you out there soon, I guess. Um, Caleb Ferguson, not that any of us really expected to see him this year, but he had his second Tommy John surgery last season. It was not his second in 2020, but his second one um, just in general. And he was hoping to pitch at some point this season, but the Dodgers immediately shot that plan down saying they don't think that that's going to happen and don't expect him to pitch. So not really any update there. I kind of feel like we all saw that coming uh, too young to be thrown out there. He's, he was very, very good. So I don't want to say he's not needed, but I just don't think there's any point in pushing someone like him right now. Yeah. So I don't I, I, mind I get this. that he wants to like help the team win, but he should focus and take care of himself first because he will have other opportunities on this team. Um, now, obviously there are, The Dodgers did get other lefties, but who knows how they're going to shake out. So I think once he's fully healthy next year, that he will obviously be on this roster with Victor Gonzalez as the two lefties. Yeah, which would be fantastic because I'm not a big fan of relying on Scott Alexander to be the lefty out of the bullpen. So uh, get well soon, Caleb Ferguson. We could we could use you out there. Um, good news onto our kind of game notes and some things we want to discuss. Bellinger returned to the lineup. He made his 2021 spring debut last Tuesday and he did go over three. He returned with a batting stance that seems to be a little bit more open up compared to last season, not really seeing his name and his number on his back. Like we did so much last year. He said he made the decision on his own to adjust his stance and that he feels comfortable doing so. Um, in his next outing, he did have two hit against the D-backs and he hit a home run in his seventh at bat back. So that was fantastic to see with a shoulder. You never really know what's going to happen with the power side of things. Uh, He did say his shoulder felt great in his first game back. And I don't know if you saw, but he was out there (laughs) taking some hacks, like his shoulder, I thought was just going to like fly out a socket on one of those swings and like, Hey, that's awesome. It means he's feeling great. So I but was like, slightly scared at first, but then I started laughing because it was like, of course, the Bellinger just goes there and just puts on like this the hardest swing he's ever did in his life. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Calm like down. his shoulder, his right arm's gonna come like flying out of the socket and end up at first base. But, but hey, he felt um, good. So great sign. Bellinger, like I, I can't recall a time ever where there was an elite baseball player who changed his stance so much, especially following a, a unreal MVP season. So like you mentioned, his stance was, it was super wide open and his issue in that game was he wasn't closing his hips and squaring the ball or scoring up to the ball. He kind of just stayed open and swung. So like, if you watch Justin Turner, his stance is pretty open as well, but he will close his hips uh, so he could square up to the ball. Bellinger wasn't doing that. The second game back, he modified his stance yet again. It was still open, but wasn't as open. Um, at least in that game, like you mentioned, he hit a home run, hit the ball hard a few times in that game as well. So that was nice to see. But for the most part, as expected, uh, his timing is a bit off. Um, we're only nine days away from opening day, though. So I hope to see Belly continue to be in the lineup more frequently to try to get that timing right a, a bit sooner. Yeah, he is in there today. So good news. Um, I'm hoping to see him in maybe like I would say six out of the next nine games. Well, no, there's not nine. There's eight. So we have no, we have two days off. Holy shit. So there's like seven games left. Wow. We're really closing in there. So hopefully we see him in like three or four more of those games. Uh, Cause his timing really is the only thing I'm not concerned about him in general, but it does take some time to get adjusted to seeing those pitches and putting the bat on the ball. So um, let's hope he does that soon. He's been looking decent out there. Don't have any complaints yet. So he, he is a little behind, but like you said, it's expected. So not worried uh, about him just yet. Someone else I would like to discuss is Kenley Jansen um, and how much we can actually buy into his spring success. It is spring training. Um, When you bring a closer in, depending on spring training, depending how long the starter goes, you don't really know what type of players are going to be facing, whether it's triple A, double A or big league guys. Um, So he's having a lot of success. He's doing very well. And up until his last outing, he hadn't given up a run and he really hadn't given up many hits um so far through spring he's had six innings pitched four hits one run one earned one home run one walk 10 strikeouts and a 1.5 era 
the velocity is not really there. It's like, I mean, it's also kind of hard to tell. It's not like we're being given it to it very consistently, but he looks good. He's hitting his spots. I'm just trying to figure out is whether or not we can buy into this or if this is just a spring training thing and we're unfortunately going to get the yeah, same Jansen well, that we when have. It, when it comes to spring training, if you ask a lot of players, they'll tell you it's not about the result. It's about like the process and how they feel. So I don't really care too much about like the, the end result. The end result for Jansen has been good. His process has also been uh, really good. But I say that to say I don't think we can uh, kind of buy into it just because last year we thought he was back. He had a very strong spring, uh, only again to struggle, which has seemed to be the case since uh, the World Series in 2017. Obviously, that was in a different circumstance, but since then, it's just, it has not been good. Um, I don't want to be super negative on him, though. I'm, I'm acknowledging he's pitching well. He's mixing his pitches. He's getting really good movement on his pitches. Uh, thank you, Bauer. <laughs> no, I'm joking aside. It, it has been nice to see. Um, personally, for me, I still don't want to see him as closer because, like you mentioned, his velocity just isn't there. Um, but there's nothing wrong with being a high-leverage pitcher in the seventh inning or eighth inning because those also hold a lot of value as well. Well, I guess for more forward-thinking teams, they hold a lot of value at least. Um, obviously, he won't get as much money because the closer gets paid the most, but I think he can still make a decent amount being a seventh or eighth inning guy. I mean, he did he get also his... won um, and a reliever of the month uh, for, was that July last year or August? August, um, that's right. Yeah. yeah, he did start off really hot. Uh, and like I think I mentioned in a podcast or two ago, Joe, Joe Davis had tweeted out that he had like the lowest – uh, had the softest contact rate or however you want to word it, but Lowest basically hard hit percentage. there yes. it is. I knew it was something like that. I missed it for a second, but uh, yeah, having the lowest hard hit percentage is always great. It means he's either getting the ball. He's, they're not barreling him up most of the time. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of there with you too. It's nice to see, but it's hard to read too much into it when it comes to Jansen. It's just been a couple years now of he has these moments where he looks really good or has a month where he's extremely dominant. And then he kind of just like falters and we don't really like, know why. Um, right. Like in 2019, when he faced the Yankees, he got in a little bit of trouble or somebody got into a little bit of trouble. He came in, got out of it. And I think at that point, well, at least me and some people I know were like, oh, shit, Jansen's back. And then I think he had a few good outings and then it was back to being bad. So yeah, kind of it was like down. it was the adrenaline, I think, of like a bases loaded against the Yankees. And he came in, hit like 95 on the gun or something. I, I remember because I was at that game. I was like, oh, my God, Jansen's back. He looks so good. And everyone was kind of feeling that. And it was, I think, the adrenaline a lot for him. So I will say in regards to Jansen, I am very curious uh, about what the fan as aspect could do for him because he did make some good points. As a closer, when you're coming in in the ninth inning with a game on the line, it's weird to not have fans cheering, booing, whatever the case may be, having any type of that adrenaline. You're just running out into an empty stadium uh, with some of the biggest moments on the line. So I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say fans are going to change Jansen. He's going to be great, but I will be a little interested to see if we see kind of a little bit of that adrenaline come out of Jansen a little bit more, whether he's being booed or cheered. I think he likes to have the fan base there feeding into him, giving him some type of either confidence or I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, feeling. he had fans in 2018 and 2019 as well. And still, wasn't. Oh, I know. That's why I'm saying like, I don't want to completely buy into it. it. It didn't change in years past, but after a full season off having uh, an okay year, not great. And then doing well this spring, I am curious to see if maybe uh, any of that, not to mention it's a contract year for him. It's his last year under contract. Uh, so the dude's going to want to make money. I don't think it's in LA. Uh, I don't think his time is staying. Yeah, I don't think his time is staying. No, because he'll end up like kicking our ass if he goes to San Francisco or something. And I don't care for that. I mean, the Dodgers are probably faced him a ton of time i'm not worried about it the giants somehow are crappy these last few years and always play us like the toughest so jansen will come in and have like his greatest outings against us which will end up happening but um there's a couple articles that's come out over the last week and jansen has pretty much said he knows he, he's he kind of went about it the same way he has in a pat in the past but i think he's being a little bit more humble this time instead of like i know what i can do fans will just see it and deal with it he's kind of like i understand the frustrations uh 
he just also doesn't sound entirely confident that he could be coming back uh, to LA. So I would not be surprised, um, but I also wouldn't be surprised to go see him go out there and try and put up a hell of a season because he is going to want to get paid and he probably wants to still be a closer. So we shall see what happens. Um, but talking about people having a good spring, bad spring, and what that means, uh, Max Muncy has looked very good these last few games. It's only been a few games, but after an extremely slow start, he's starting to look like he's kind of found his swing over these last few games. Uh, and that's a great sign for everybody, the team fans, because having him in there at your four or five spot every single day and not hitting is not what you want. Uh, Friday against the Rangers, he went three for three with a double and a two out RBI, big fan of two out RBIs. I feel like that's when, uh, if you have a guy getting their two out RBIs, usually seeing the ball well, Muncie has been striking out a ton, finally putting the ball in play, uh, drawing his walks. He drew two on Sunday against the Giants last night, Monday, he went two for three and he was hitting the ball hard and back up the middle. And that's what I'm a big fan of because it seems like he's really on it. The nice line drives, um, I'm feeling a little bit better about Muncie going into the season. Maybe he's finally just found it uh, coming off that injury last season. I don't think he ever really had the chance to get healthy and kind of get back into his groove. He said if they have played a full 162, he doesn't think his numbers would have ended the way it did. So you and I have both been talking about Muncie nonstop, even just over text and kind of like, is this going to keep happening? And as soon as he got those hits the other night, we were both kind of like, okay, is this headed in the right direction? So Ken is, is Muncie one that we can, I think, I think Muncie's one that we can kind of get a little excited for. I don't want to say like, Oh, he's back, but I think it's fair to say that he's looking a little bit better and not so lost at the plate that it gives fans a reason to believe uh, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Was it yesterday or the day before when he had gotten a hit? Um, I had said, did we get our first baseman back? Um, so is it like a good sign? Yes, it's it's obviously a good sign. Um, so Muncy has done one thing well all spring, and that was take his walks. But he's done that ever since he came up to the Dodgers. Um, so even then, now whether he gets a hit or not, he's squaring the ball up, hitting the ball hard. And when hitters find their groove, even non-hard hit balls start to find spots. So that's good. Um, just like last year when I told you I saw enough good things that Belly would turn it around, and he ended up doing so. I've now seen that with Muncie and that's the comfortability, comfortability, which is actually like really important. He's starting to see the ball a lot better. He's putting good swings on the ball. Also now he's making harder contact. And again, whether he's into an out or not, those hard hit balls will start finding areas where people aren't and they're going to lead to a long home runs. Um, I think Muncie's found a little bit of a groove. He's in a really good place right now. And I just want to point out that it all started when I wrote that article about him. So you guys are welcome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with Muncie. I'm glad he's hitting the ball because at the end of the day, like, yes, he was drawing his walks, which is important. He's getting on base, but, but he does need to hit just drawing walks is not enough, especially when you're that high right. up in the order. Because sorry uh, to cut you off, but it's like Joey Gallo also takes a shit ton of walks, but he hits 190. So his on base percentage is like 330. Yeah. Or 300. Which, not going to cut it. Yeah, which, which is an ideal, um, especially for someone like Muncie, who we always, he, he finds a way to get on and he brings you those hard hit singles and home runs quite a bit. So I am glad to see that he's uh, looks even a little happier out there. I think that's always the biggest thing. Muncie is one of those guys that seems to take things extremely hard on the field and seems to have no problem showing it. Um, I've got no problem with that. I, I'm very happy though, to see that he doesn't seem so tense out there anymore, because I think that's a big thing for him. I think last year after signing, uh, that contract and buying out his arbitration years, he definitely seems like a guy that wants to make sure he's earning that contract. Not I signed my contract. I'm good to go. So I'm sure last year was very difficult on him. So, um, Hey, if he, if he hits, there's literally not one question mark in this lineup outside of like the pitcher, but that's fine. Uh, Cause we don't have the universal DH, which is dumb. Uh, and we'll talk about I was that. Gonna, I was going to mention that um, you had brought up that he gets angry at himself, visibly angry at himself. And like, I used to not care about it until I saw Andre Ethier. And then it was like, I think you're a little too hard on yourself. Sometimes <laughs> it's, yeah. it's okay to be frustrated, but I mean, let's, let's calm down a little bit. So I would like to see him kind of mellow out. So it's good that he cares so much that he's angry and that he knows he should do better. Um, same thing with Bauer yesterday. Just 
I, I get it. You're frustrated because you know you can do better. Just let's relax a little bit, take a deep breath, and let's get back going. Yeah, you're, he's 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 good, and I think that is one of his things. I think it's one of those things that you see with a, not saying he's a younger player, but I think you see it with younger players that once they start to struggle, um, it just makes it worse the more frustrated they get. So if Muncie is, hey, if that dude is hitting the ball well and happy and – I, he's probably dealing with a lot too. Like his wife is pregnant in the middle of a pandemic. They're out in Arizona where there's not a ton of safety protocols being put into place. Uh, so I'm sure he's got a lot on his mind, but Hey, we've all seen how some of these guys hit after they uh, have, have a baby. So if, if Muncie's going to start hitting and then get that dad power, we're going to, what does his do? wife do? I actually don't know. I want to say in the next few months, uh, cause it was a, they kept, Oh, I did listen to their podcast or, Courtney and Justin Turner's they they it's a quarantine baby so bubble baby so whatever nine months after October is so in a couple months I think um but yeah so hey I'm all for that dad power we've seen Barnes with oh, so so by the by the playoffs he's gonna turn into Jack Peterson yeah right before yeah a couple months before playoffs so he'll have some more nice. uh dad swings in there to get ready to go for October uh but speaking of dad power we've seen quite a bit of that not necessarily the home runs but just uh Barnes hitting the ball pretty hard this spring and it's caught a lot of a fans I think attention with how well he's hitting uh Mookie Betts might be one of the best batting coaches uh we've ever we've ever seen on this team just kidding uh we've got some great no but really Mookie Mookie really brought Barnes hitting to another level um I don't know if a lot of fans know this, but when Barnes was in the minor leagues, a lot of his teammates would be asked, who do you think on this team could win a batting title? And the answer was always Barnes uh, because he was so good at making contact, putting the ball in play, getting those hits. And we saw a little bit of, of it in 2017 uh, and some of it's resurfacing now in 2020 after or 2021 after resurfacing in 2020. So uh Roberts came out and said in regards to Smith he expects Smith to start about 90 games this year which means Barnes would be starting around 70 something which would actually be a career high for Barnes uh behind the plate so you have two great catchers um they're kind of great in their own ways Smith can rake there's not one doubt about that Barnes hell of a catcher uh finding his bat a little bit we have also heard some pitchers who prefer Barnes. So understandably so Barnes is going to get in there and get his starts. Uh, but we've got splitting catching duties and it doesn't seem like a backup. It feels more like a 1A and 1B. And that's kind of exciting when you consider that we almost in a way have a 1C in Kyber Ruiz as well. I, I saw a lot of people's reactions when um, it was announced and they were like, how can you take out Smith's elite bat? and so on and so forth. And Roberts is trying to piss us off already. And I I don't think you should blame Roberts for it. I think the blame should probably be on Smith because the pitchers feel more comfortable with Barnes. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So Jeff Snyder or Snydog on Twitter um, said something interesting. He said in order to keep Smith's bat in the lineup, he'd like to see him playing uh, some at third base. Now Smith did play third and second in college as well as catcher, obviously. And Smith actually has played 58 games at third base in the minor leagues. Uh, 55 of those games were starts. Uh, it equated to 486 minor league innings. Um, he did commit 14 errors, and his fielding percentage was 0.87, which is really less than ideal. Uh, for context purposes, in Turner's 12 seasons, his fielding percentage is 0.967, which is actually slightly better than um, Matt Chapman's. So quite a ways away for... Um, now, obviously, fitting percentages in the end all be all because Matt Chapman has way better range than Turner does. But anyway, so if Smith can be just solid in his one start every now and then or a few starts every now and then at third base, I think this could work. It, it is a way to get him in the lineup a little more. It's a bit unorthodox, but um, this is the perfect way since we don't have a DH to get Smith's bat in the lineup to get the pitchers their preferred catcher. And again, it, it'll keep Smith's damn near elite bat in, in the lineup. Um, also, if he continues not to be great receiving or calling pitches, then he should probably start playing other positions just in case anyway. Yeah, I the whole third base thing is interesting because it does really come down to not wanting to lose Smith's bat. Uh, that's not really someone you just want to sit on the bench and he is in a situation that it's kind of like, well, 
if Kershaw wants Barnes and I don't, I'm not saying Bueller or, or Bauer, whatever, but if those guys, if they come out and say, well, I like Barnes or if Gonsolin may, whoever it is decides that they want Barnes, you have to find a way to get Smith's bat in there. Um, and considering the fact Edwin Rios has not been very impressive this spring, uh, getting some starts in to get Turner off his feet would possibly be ideal. Obviously, we have some other roster choices we could talk about in a little bit to get in some work at third base. Um, but yeah, I it, it's just one of those weird situations that's like you want the best catcher behind the plate because you want your you want your catch you want your pitchers to feel good. You want your pitchers to do well because you need your pitchers to do well to win. But then you also look at what Smith can do with a bat, and it's like, well, we don't have a DH, so you're already taking one at bat basically out of our hands with that number nine spot with the pitcher. Uh, how long is Barnes going to keep hitting the ball? Well, we don't know yet. So how does that eight, nine spot line up? Maybe not the best. Um, so yeah, finding a way to get Smith's bat in there as much as possible would be ideal. Um, whatever is going on. I just hope that he's getting him more work behind there, behind the plate. Uh, I don't know if you saw him frame, Bowers uh fastball pitch last night he did that pretty fluidly looked a little nice uh Twitter was pretty excited about that so that was nice to see uh, but since we're talking about catchers Kyber Ruiz is another one that has impressed this spring uh he's only made an appearance in two games but he has made the most of them going four for four with a double and five RBIs he caught Tony G in his last appearance and Gonsolin had nothing but positive things to say about him saying he was impressive catching him that day and that Ruiz would ask him questions in between innings and also help present borderline strikes receiving. Uh, he looks fantastic behind the plate receiving pitchers. He does it so smooth, so fluidly, makes it look easy. But my question with him is when you already have Barnes an elite catcher and then you have Smith with an elite bat, it doesn't really seem like there's room for Ruiz anytime soon. And I think you and I are both, both on the same page that if he continues to build up his trade value, it's pointless to keep him in the minors. Uh, he's either got a player, he's got to be traded. So I'm very curious as to what this season can mean for we, for Ruiz. If it's basically like a let's build up his trade value. And if something is very much needed at the trade deadline, could he become that central piece or if they hold on and uh, move him in the off season? Cause I just, I want to see him play, but I am not at a point where I'm going to put him above Ruiz or Smith right now. Like we can't just pull Smith out and go, okay, here go Ruiz. I mean, as fans, sure. We could say that, but the team's not going to do that. So if we're being realistic, it, I just don't know where he fits in unless they do start to play Smith at other positions. And then you could potentially use Ruiz back there behind the plate. He'll obviously be on the taxi squad. So if anyone gets hurt, he's the first guy up. Um, I just don't know what's going, what to do with him. I like him. I want to see him play. He's good. Uh, it just seems like it's going to be building up his trade value until they can find a suitor to match up with. And he may not be here much longer. Yeah. I, I was kind of on the same wavelength. Unfortunately, um, he's looked really good so far this spring, despite him being late. Like I love the way he catches. He just has soft hands and receiving the ball. Like you mentioned, Godson already talked about how much he likes pitching to Ruiz. Uh, I'm interested to see how other features feel about pitching to Ruiz if and when, you know, they do, or he does catch them. Um, but I think this year is probably just going to end up being a, a kind of trade value, raises trade value type of thing. Um, I don't know. It's hard because I, I do, I just don't like Smith behind the plate. I'm not going to rag on him. I just, I don't like him behind the plate. So I would prefer him move positions. Um, and then you start asking questions like, oh, if, we, if he ends up moving to third, then what do you do with Hosey and such and such? Well, I mean, you can trade Hosey, trade Smith. I I don't know. So but is there I think you're I think you're right though. I think Smith is gonna be the long-term catcher for now. Um, so I think this is gonna be about Ruiz building his trade value. And we're gonna see uh, Ruiz and Gonsolin go to the ace for Matt Chapman. All right, I'll yeah. start bringing it up. I promise. I promise. Yeah, you're, you're thinking for Matt Chapman. I don't know. They'll, they'll let him go when he's close to becoming a free agent, whenever that is, and they're close to owing him a ton of money. That's that's when he'll be available for trade. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Ruiz, obviously, I think a lot of Dodger fans are a big fan of him. Uh, it's always enjoyable when you have a switch catcher, a switch hitting catcher who can also uh, receive very well. 
So it's, it's like you said, he showed up late. So unfortunately he didn't get into as much game action as I think everyone would have liked to see, but it will be interesting to see kind of what happens with him this year. Um, we wanted to touch on, since we are getting so close to opening day, we wanted to touch on the 26 man roster and some conversations we've heard from a Twitter, Reddit, just some thoughts about who could get those kind of last couple spots. So if you want to take this, I'll let you start and I'll kind of feed off of you. Yeah. So uh, as we know, it's a 26 man rotate, um, it's a 26 man roster to start. Um, I found it interesting that some of the, the bigger riders, like, I don't know, Juan, Torbido? Torbido? Torbido, I think. Torbido? Okay. Um, and uh, I'm so bad with names. JP Hoonstra, I think. Yeah. He, he yep. breaks for the OC register, right? Yeah. Okay, so they broke it down as they have it split at 13 position players, 13 pitchers. Um, does it have to be that? Otherwise, I, I'm not sure why it wouldn't be 14 pitchers, 12. No, they batters. didn't. They removed the limit this year, I think. So because of because of the shortened season last year and COVID, they removed the limit. So that okay. just must be what the Dodgers want yes. to do. Okay, well, I, I found that interesting because, I mean, you're starting off in toxic-ass Colorado. <laughs> so yeah. having more pitchers seems like the, the better thing. But, I mean, I've also seen Rios being left off. I've seen Noisy be added on, which has been interesting. Um, like, I get the reasoning for adding Noisy because he's a right-handed bat. Um, and if the bench right now is looking really lefty of like lefty friendly, but with the way the Dodgers construct their lineups, it's likely that Taylor or Pollock would end up being off the bench as a right-handed bat. If the starters are lefty and they both start, then obviously you have Rios as a power option. Then you'll have someone like um, Lux who could potentially have the best chance of getting on base or Beatty might be able to do a little bit of both. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting to see how they like set the roster up, and obviously, they all had Alexander on, which now we know is probably official since Clevenger has been uh, sent down. Like I know he struggled his last outing, um, but he was striking out hitters at a ridiculous rate. Um, and again, I also just think we're we're all over Alexander. If we're being real here, I think that's it. I think Dodger fans are just over Alexander, and we're looking for a left-handed replacement. And I'd almost rather watch Clevenger struggle a little bit than watch Alexander struggle a little less and have to watch him pitch. I, I just think with Clevenger, at least you know you can get the, the strikeout because he's been fantastic there. Um, but I, I I think Clevenger is hot on his heels and. If Alexander struggles a little bit, he's. I think he'd be pulled very quickly. Um, the athletic on the bench, they have. They ha also have thirteen ma thirteen position players. They have Barnes, Rios, Beatty, Taylor, and McKinstry all on the bench. Um, and I think the most interesting one right now to me out of those would either be Rios or McKinstry. Um, just because, like I said, Rios is struggling. Some people think that there's a good chance he actually doesn't even start the big league, start the team on the opening day roster because of his struggles. Um, and you have mentioned time and time before. Jeff Spider doesn't think so. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a couple other blog writers yeah. that are on that page. And you've mentioned uh, Noisy having a sneaky good kind of spring training and him hitting the ball well. And I'm thinking if Rios is struggling, Noisy gives us another right-handed bat off the bench. He can play third base for Turner on those days that needed. Um, but there's also not a triple-A season. So sending Rios down to just sit on the taxi squad and get some live BP here and there, like I don't know how much that's really going to go for him. Um, I mean, there's a season. It's just a month late. Well, yeah, it's a month pushback. So I just – I don't know. It's at this point, it's so but hard to try it's, and predict. It's really not going to help anybody, even if you leave off McKinstry. Is it really going to help him either? Is it going to help Baby? No, no, probably it's, not. Whoever so, gets left off is probably right. on the taxi squad facing big league pitching, anyways. Now, here's um, the here's the thing. So Rios has pretty much struggled almost all spring. He did his last game was against the uh, Diamondbacks. It was a good game then, but uh, what he had like two two doubles. But yeah, anyway, he so Rangers. I know he. Like everybody had two doubles that game. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah. So like his last game that he played, he he did well. And then like you have Beatty and McKinstry who started off hot, but have called, kind of like falling back down to earth. So I I don't know what to do with those last spots. I, honestly, I think I might prefer Beatty just because he can play first 
potentially sometimes at third. I've seen him do it before. And of course, that corner outfield spots. Um, and plus, I mean, he's a left-handed bat who I think could provide a little bit of a little, not a lot of power, but a little bit of power and, and make contact as well. So I don't know. I think I'd have Beatty in there. Um, I, th- I think Rios is going to be in there regardless, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I'm just not a huge I, fan. I, I would, I would have 14 pitchers and 12 position players just because I think, especially starting out the season. One thing to remember about that though season. is, um, is no, uh, uh, no universal DH. So yeah. uh, if you go with 12, you have three uh, bench guys, including a catcher. Yeah. So uh, the extra bat probably works uh, more than an extra yeah, bullpen. That's, that's fair. I think I, I was I, just thinking because of coming off a short season and then having to start in Colorado, pitches are going to be tired. So which is where I for think the first bit you start fourteen and then come back to thirteen. And if you do have thirteen, if you start with thirteen, you have to have Jimmy Nelson on there because he can give you multiple innings. Um, and I think that's where if you do 13, the Dodgers actually benefit more than a lot of other teams because they have so many starters that can fill in. You and I have talked about this over and over and over again about the potential of seeing like May and Price big, uh, piggyback or May and Nelson, something like that. Um, so because on theirs, they have in the bullpen, they have Jansen, Trinan, Gonzalez, Canable, Price, May, Nelson, and Santana. So this is with Joe Kelly and Gratterall already off. Like they don't even yeah. expect Okay, so, so you said Jansen can enable one inning pitchers. Gonzalez can probably give you two. Trying May, and one. Trying and one. You said May. Price, Nelson, Santana Price, can all give Nelson you at least two or three. Can give you two. May, Price, and Nelson can give you probably definitely give you five, at least three, yeah. three, three to five. Uh, Santana, I probably wouldn't push him, but you can probably get two. So yeah. they definitely do have uh, options to, to have yeah. pitchers who go more than one inning. So that's the good yeah, majority news. of the bullpen can go more than one inning, except for like three of them. Yeah. So that's the good news there. Um, I will say it, it's interesting always going back to Colorado, keeping Kenley Jansen in mind um, because of his struggles he's had there due to his um, heart. So I, I, he has always said, I'm going to play. I don't really get stresses me out seeing him not because it's Colorado and the ball get hit gets hit hard but just because like I don't want to see any player out there in high altitude that has some type of health condition that could be affected so that always stresses me out when they go to Colorado um hopefully they just don't really need him and they score a ton of runs and uh he can chill because yeah Colorado's that high altitude can really uh make things not a great time even for people who are fully healthy so um, don't need Jansen out there struggling. Uh, I had a question. Well, kind of not so much of a question, but for both of us, uh, to answer, and I'm going to take this one first, if you don't mind. Uh, but the biggest question I had kind of looking at if we had any questions still unanswered before opening day and mine is seeing the lineup today. It kind of looks like our opening day lineup. It's, I think it's what we run out there. It sounds like Herman Marquez is going to be starting for the Rockies. So they'll have a right-hander on the mound uh, opening up, which means we will see our lefties in there. And for me, Lux has clearly earned the shot to play second base, especially against a right-handed pitcher. So I'm kind of up in the air as to what happens with Taylor. He's been destroying the ball. uh, And I also think he should be on the opening day lineup. So my question is, do the Dodgers put Pollock on the back burner and put the two players out there who are most deserving and producing, or are they going to put Pollock out there because he did have a good start to the season last year uh, or a good season in general last year. And he's paid as an everyday starter. And we know a lot of times teams want to have their everyday starters out there until they prove that they can't be or that they need to be platooned. Um, I keep seeing fans talk about platooning Taylor with Lux, but I don't like that because like I've already mentioned to you guys, uh, Taylor is worse against lefties than he is righties. So I don't think you go that route um, and have him face lefties and then sit Lux. I would rather just see Lux getting in there, getting at bats in against lefties and you could platoon, uh, Pollock and Taylor, if you wanted to let, uh, Pollock face the lefties, let Taylor face the righties and then Taylor can fill in elsewhere. I think guys like Bellinger because of his shoulder is going to need days off to start the season. Uh, Seager's going to need time off his feet. So Taylor can plug in there. Lux isn't going to be playing every day. So you plug him in there. Um, so that's kind of mine. That's what I'm waiting to see on the most is what's going to happen there. I don't know if you have a kind of well, similar unanswered question. Uh, so I know 
like you were saying that Pac's paid to play every day, and I mean, he is, but at the same time, he's been platooning with Peterson since he's been here as well. So I don't think it'd be anything different if he platoons with Taylor. Um, and again, Taylor can play so many positions that he doesn't need to be locked into one. Um, he can play second, he can play short, he can play third, left, center, right. And like you mentioned, a lot of people are going to need time off. Turner at third because he's a little older. Seeger, like you mentioned. So Taylor will have spots in the lineup damn near every day if it should come up. So I'm not worried about Taylor. I do think Luck should be in there for the most part until he proves he can't hit lefties. And if that's the case, I know Taylor is worse against lefties, but it'll probably still be a little bit better than what Lux will be producing. So at that point, if Lux is struggling against lefties, then sure, put um, Taylor at second. And then obviously Pollock hits lefties well, so he needs to be in the lineup in left field. But, I mean, he's been platooning anyway, so I don't think it should be anything different. Plus, it'll keep him healthy or – yeah, which is what we need. I guess it's just with, with Jock, it's kind of like, well, you know what you're getting against right-handed pitchers. So you really, they had no choice but to get him in there that way. So, I mean, I'm all good with it either way. Pollock's good. I just, the way Taylor has performed so far in spring, I hope he opens it up. My biggest thing for Lux is I don't want to see him like screwed around with early, which I don't think is the case. Roberts has said they plan on giving him a runway. I would like to see him out there for at least a month before they start going, okay, well, he can't hit lefties, whatever the case may be. Um, And I kind of think that's what's going to happen. I think they are going to be a little bit more patient with Lux this year, get him in there to start the season. It's not 60 games, so it's not do or die right off the bat. Um, It is still pretty important with a team like the Padres in the division to have a strong start. Um, but it just doesn't feel as dire as it did in 2020 to let Lux go out there and figure it out. And if there's like five or six games a week, having him play for, I don't think would hurt. Yeah, no, I think he'll be good to go. Um, but yeah, I think you said your last question was kind of the rotation, right? Figuring out that number five spot. Yeah. Well, just because I'm going to the first game against the A's and I just want to know who's pitching. <laughs> so <laughs> I, feel like, I feel you there. I'm going to the first two in Colorado and I was very much, I love watching Bueller pitch and I was very much hoping to see him pitch game two. And it seems like it'll be Bauer, yeah. which, which yeah. is it's whatever. It'll be Bauer's first start in a Dodger uh, uniform. I just hope it doesn't go like it did last night. Cause he's going to, uh, that ball's going to fly in Colorado if he's missing his I mean, it's, it's not a good look, but at the same time, like you mentioned last night, he didn't care. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think last night really mattered. I think he, no. he literally came out but and said, been, I'm just throwing doing pitches to throw all pitches. Spring. Like, I've, I've noticed it. Like Once he has done what he wants to do and he's comfortable in that, then the next inning he goes out there, he just starts throwing shit just to kind of get a feel for it and, and just see what happens. So I, I just I take yesterday with a grain of salt. The first four innings were pretty fantastic, for being honest. And I think during the regular season, he's going to lock in for even longer because there, I mean, there are times where you can just be like, all right, fuck it. Yeah. And the fact that he was smiling on his face usually is one of those moments that you're kind of yeah. like, as a pitcher, you know, like, okay, I'm just like, I either, I either don't have it right now, don't want to have it, or I just got beat. Like at the end of the day, like the fact he was laughing made me think like he wasn't frustrated. Like maybe he was, but he wasn't like angry at anything that was going on. He was just kind of like, okay, well, I'm getting my pitches. As soon as he hit 86 on there, Roberts is like day over. It's done. It was over with. Uh, I know a lot of fans didn't care for his comments after the game. I don't really care. It's spring training. Uh, I think I think I have come to the conclusion that Bauer is just blunt and honest and he doesn't care what anyone has to say about his performances. And he's just going to tell you how he thinks it is. And, uh, yeah, as long as he goes out there and performs during the regular season and doesn't come out after a regular season game. And it's just like, well, it is what it is. I don't think many people are really going to care. No. And, uh, again, is he going to be what he was last year? Probably not, but, when he's tried this spring, I think he's shown he's got, he's got nasty stuff. Yeah. So, but it's like just with any other pitcher who has nasty movement, it's about making sure you don't get it over the plate. It's now, like he's always going to give up home runs. Yeah. He's always going to give up home runs because that's just what he does. But if he can continue to get weak contact and strike batters out at the high rate he is, I think he, I think he's going to be fine. Um, his ERA will, will it be one point, whatever? No. But will it be 
respectable in like the mid twos or something probably yeah that's kind of where i'm at with him too like he's gonna he's gonna be good he's not gonna be 2020 bauer i i he's gonna be facing way better uh teams i think than he was uh, in the nl I, Central. I feel like that I've, i feel like that's debatable because the giants yeah i mean the rockies in colorado sure but in dodge stadium yeah Sure, the but even the, the Padres like, didn't even come close to a team like that in the NL Central. I, I still think no, he'll be good. I mean, I'm not he, saying it's just based Braves, off that. If yeah, if, yeah, and I'll give him that because that's my biggest thing for him is that. I don't care what he does in spring training. If he wants to figure his shit out, that's fine. My biggest thing is I that's want to see for. him do it against good teams. Like when we face the Mets, when we face the Braves, like that's when it's going to matter for me. I don't care the Padres, that stuff. I don't give a shit what he's doing in spring training, figure out what you need to do all of that. I don't care. Um, that's when it's going to matter something to me. I think Colorado would be really interested, interesting. I am curious to see him, especially not it's in a packed crowd because, uh, like, with how he's he a yells. fly ball pitcher. Yeah. He's a fly ball pitcher in Colorado. That's just not going to fly. So I'm expecting a pretty rough first game. But um, was it the next time we'll see him was what? Probably Oakland. Yes, the, na- the yeah, probably yeah. yeah. I think so. That Wednesday. No, the last yeah game Wednesday because they're off Thursday. Yeah, so Wednesday. So probably we'll probably see him the last game in Oakland, and so that's that's good. That's a I that's think. a good ballpark for him too because you got all that extra foul yes, territory. A lot so of those pop outs, a lot of outfield room. Yeah, and a lot of the the lineup's good, but it's prone to swing and miss so no. that's also a good thing for bauer and also if bauer's pitching that last game that means bueller gets opening day at dodger stadium which of course is great would be pretty yeah that'd be pretty sweet yeah um on to the next thing this isn't necessarily dodgers news or anything that happened in a dodger game but i do want to briefly discuss it uh because i think it is important d backs pitcher zach gallon young upcoming kind of stud everyone's excited to see him was scratched from his start the other day with forearm tightness. Uh, I believe it was actually yesterday, if I remember correctly, due yeah. to getting jammed in the cages while taking BP. What the hell? If you need more of an argument to argue for universal DH, this is it right here. Because if I heard that Bueller, Kershaw, Bauer, I don't care, any of our pitchers had to be scratched from their start with forearm tightness because they were taking BP in the cages, I would lose my mind. Like, I, why, I just don't get why we're still arguing for pitchers to hit, why we care. It, every time they step into the box, it stresses me out. We remember Rich Hill trying to lay down that bunt and taking a ball, skimming off his throat. And like that man doesn't seem to care about anything. He gets up and plays, but like most, a lot of pitchers but might not be able to. Watching Rich Hill run is kind of funny. Yes, that I love. Watching Rich Hill run is fun, but that's about all you get out of it. Yes. And these these injuries that come out of it are so not worth that brief instant of like enjoyment that you get maybe once or twice every 20 at bats from a pitcher. Um this kills me because it's not a Dodger. It's a D back. And I know a lot of players fans like who cares. It's a D back. Like I don't want to see injuries in the game. It's not good for the game. It's not good for competition. It's not good for fans. It does not make the sport more fun, let alone when your pitcher is getting hurt off something he really shouldn't have to be doing. Um, I don't know. I want the universal DH. This bugs me. I I, I definitely want the universal DH as well. Um, Zach Gallant is the, D-back's the best pitcher, and to me, he's one of the better pitchers in baseball, period. He's not the first tier of, like, DeGrom, Cole, or Bieber, but I think he can fall in that second tier behind, like, what, Scherzer, uh, Bueller, and, and them. I think he could be at the bottom of that second tier. Um, he just reminds me of, of Greg Maddox, who is my favorite pitcher of all time, so I really enjoy watching him maneuver through the strike zone, hitting corners, getting movement. Uh, his change was really good. Uh, yeah, Zach Gallo is definitely someone I really enjoy watching pitch. So it's very unfortunate. And like you mentioned, this is even more reason to have the universal DH. I mean, watching pitchers hit is enough reason, if we're being honest. It, but also for, especially Dodger fans, it's like a big advantage for the Dodgers, uh, more than other teams to get that DH because Smith's back can now definitely stay in the lineup for the most part, as we saw in the playoffs. Uh, Turner can still hit when he needs to get off his feet. Same with Seager. Uh, Rios can probably play a little more. Uh, Pollock as well. So the Dodgers seem to have endless options as far as what they can do at DH. 
And so the one main concern I see from people is they keep bringing up that it takes out the strategy, but I think the strategy um, ended when they made it mandatory that pitchers need to face three batters, if we're being honest. Um, besides, DH can still be pinch hit for if the if a lefty is in the game later on and Rios was the DH, it's pretty safe to say that you know the Dodgers will pinch hit for Rios using Pollock or Taylor or whoever. So there's a lot of different scenarios and things, but I think the universal DH should just probably be a thing by now. Yeah, I was very much on the band DH train prior to last season, uh, but after seeing the benefit and how much fun that Dodgers team was, this was a team that didn't even know going into the 2020, they would have a DH. They found out sometime in like friggin' June or July, no idea they would have a DH yet. They finished in top 10 in like all of the main offensive categories when it comes to having a DH. So they just absolutely dominated. Um, and like you mentioned, the biggest thing is being able to have Smith's bat in there every single game, if you want it, as well as guys like Turner, letting his legs rest, Seager, letting his legs rest, but not losing that bat. Um, I just, it, it's a full advantage for Dodgers. And it, I just don't understand the argument of let pitchers hit. I get the whole, it changes strategy, but I also think we're at a place now that for people who's kind of bank on that, like, I just think it's more of a, they don't want change at this point because baseball doesn't see much change. Um, I think that it's great for baseball. We want to see more people hit. It's literally why we're seeing so many of these rule changes is because they want more in play action to make things more fun, a little bit safer. Yes. But to make the game more fun. Um, I've even thought more about on the shift argument a little bit more. And I kind of am starting to go down the same path that Lindor's on, like, let the guys play defense, give us those great plays. Uh, it's great to see pitchers get out of innings, but it's also great to kind of see baseball that we all fell in love with, which is guys hitting home runs, guys, doubles, not pitchers out there striking out, laying down the perfect bunt, like cool, laying down a bunt. It's great baseball, like fundamentals, but it's really not that exciting to watch. Seeing your DH come up and just like destroy a ball and have a dope ass pimp job. Like that's what I want to see in baseball. I don't need to see pitchers out there flailing at the plate, like, cause they don't know how to swing a bat. However, let me say this very quickly. I am so much looking forward to Trevor Bauer having to get in the batter's box because I pray that he is mimicking the Dodgers batting stances like he did when he was in Cleveland because that was hilarious. And he ended up actually having like a nine pitch at bat, like fouling pitches off. So um, those times they can get a little interesting, but if we're going to have pitchers hit, I just, I hope that Bauer comes out and starts uh, mimicking some of the Dodgers uh, batting stances because I do think that will at least make it a little bit more enjoyable. He is 100% probably going to do that, but... The I hope he gives us the Justin Turner leg kick. That'd be funny. Oh, that's, that. that, that's yeah. definitely happening. And the Mookie the like in, up close to the, his face. The the one in oh, 100 times that it's fun to watch pitchers hit, I'll take the other 99 chance, uh, opportunities where it's... You're, you're thinking, oh, okay, this player can actually get a hit. Like, now you, you have an opportunity to put, like say Lux at the ninth spot, who's like a pseudo second leadoff hitter. And if he's starting a inning or if like the first eight hitters get out and then all of a sudden, let's say he hits a single that gets Mookie up again and Mookie hits it into the gap, one no Dodgers. It's, it's those things that make it a lot better. Now it's, if Kershaw, let's say gets a hit or gets a walk and um, Mookie hits a double, it's probably still zero, zero. Yeah, and you're also just worried every time Kershaw's running and tapping a base right. that his ankle doesn't roll while he's rounding second base or exactly. he doesn't pull up short coming into third because he's trying to slow down. Like, it's just, it's all a mess. We see everyday position players get hurt doing these things, let alone a pitcher who does not practice to do these things. So um, I, I would much rather have either Lux or Taylor in that nine spot just because they've been leadoff hitters before. And again, we've seen it used as like a pseudo- I mean, type of lead up yeah, spot, so we've seen some teams for... put their pitcher in the eighth hole for Ace, that exact yeah. reason. Uh, yeah. So yeah, ban, ban pitchers hitting, give me the universal DH. It's probably coming next year. So um, we want to see more David Price bat flips. So that was fun. I will, Yeah. <laughs> see, like that stuff is fun, but it's so far, like few and far in between that. It's just, yeah. uh, that's my issue with it. Uh, that was good. But, when he first yeah, did it, was... I was like, this man really did bat flip. Yeah. And then see, 
Dodgers reaction. Oh, they're that better. bench lost it. Yeah. So he had yeah. to. That was that was cool to see. <laughs> um, but we're coming up here on time. So really quickly, let's go through some Dodger news. Uh, the Dodgers announced they will be releasing a small amount of opening day tickets for non-season ticket holders via a lottery. Yesterday, the registration for the lottery opportunity began. You could find that the Dodgers put it on their Twitter as well as Instagram. I'm sure it's all over their website. Uh, it seems like it's going to be very messy. Season ticket holders aren't even guaranteed tickets as the Dodgers have set up a program for them that will allow them to buy a 14 game package from the first month of games. So they are splitting it in half. There's like, they're giving, uh, they get to pick two packages, packages A, packages B. They don't even know from what I've been told by season ticket holders. They don't even know what games are in there yet. Uh, but by purchasing one of those tickets, they at least get the opportunity to buy opening day tickets. So it's going to be so, a shit like, show. That's really I all I have for you. The, the, the people I know are, are ace fans and they also have season tickets. So it's, they have like the same type of thing. It's either package A or package B, but the A's have told them these are the games you can pick. This is how I'm going to the first game against the Dodgers because they gave us a package. They said, pick any of these games in this series, this series or this series. Obviously I chose the Dodgers series for obvious reasons. And yeah, so Hopefully the Dodgers clean that up though. You have to yeah. at least give them something. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation. Um, all that I ask of everyone is if you're going to call your season ticket sales rep, like don't be an asshole. They, this has nothing to do with them. They did not set this up. They're probably more stressed about this than anyone else because they're the ones having to sit on calls all day. So um, it's not what you want. It's probably, especially for a season ticket holder, you pay all that money, pay your tickets off. And then the Dodgers come and say, sorry, you're not going. It's a weird situation. Uh, every single Dodger fan wants to be in there on opening day for that ring ceremony. So, it, I mean, I signed up for the lottery. I have zero hope of actually going because I just think so many people are going to sign up um, and they're going to sell out within seconds. But, hey, if I could if I could get yes. the opportunity to go, that'd be cool. If not, I'm going to just enjoy being in Colorado for opening day. Um, yeah, which is why I'm going to be relegated going to, to Giants games. I think I have yeah. a better shot at going to those. That's that's exactly why I chose when someone's like, Hey, I have an extra ticket to Colorado opening day. I'm like, yep, I'll take it. Cause the chance yeah. <laughs> of me getting into Dodger stadium anytime soon. Yeah. Like I just don't think it. Plus it's going to be like, I got uh, my ticket for opening day for a hundred dollars. You're not going to find a hundred dollar ticket at Dodger stadium all season. Like that's just not going to happen. So for me to travel to Colorado is like, just, I'm just like, forget it. I don't care. I get to see him on the, I'll get to see Clayton Kershaw pitch in a regular season game for the first time as a world series champion. So I don't think I can complain. Um, we are that part into spring training where we have even more roster cuts and the Dodgers made a couple more today. Like you mentioned earlier, they optioned Garrett Clevenger and they sent down James Pezos, Pazos, Nick Robertson, Mike Kickham, Tim Federowicz, Federowicz, however you say that, Matt Davidson and uh, Ron, is it, Ron Hell Ravello, I think that's how you say it. Ron Hell Ravello yeah. to minor league camp. So they are starting to cut it thin. Uh, we will know a little bit more. I don't think they tend to really drop the whole roster until the day of opening day, like that morning uh, or that night before, but it's usually the morning of. So uh, hopefully we'll get some more updates from Roberts very soon on who's going to be in this roster because I'm excited. Nine days is so close uh, that we're finally going to have a semi-normal opening day yeah, how how many um games are left in arizona before they go back to play the angels uh, in tuesday series? tuesday thursday friday saturday that's it four okay. yeah because then they, they play three the with the angels, yeah sunday right? monday tuesday yeah they okay. play i think one at angel stadium and two at dodger stadium if i remember correctly okay. but either, so yeah we're, wait we're when's the season start thursday a week from thursday okay. yeah okay yeah, and they're off on Wednesday, uh, that day before. So, yeah, uh, off tomorrow and off the following Wednesday, and we've got games the rest of the day. So we'll start seeing probably on Saturday. Uh, probably won't see too many of the regulars in the lineup. That's usually a travel home day for a lot of the regulars, get ready to go for that first game against the Angels. So I am super excited. Oh, we are coming up on I think we it. all know because um, yesterday, Monday, and um, never made a big deal about talking about the uh, – moving trucks coming and going and players uh, driving home on this and this day. And I was just like, you, you've said it once. You don't need to say it every inning. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to Joe and Oral. I'll just say that. I can't wait. It was nice having them for the season. three games they were there. 
yeah, it was. It's always nice to hear them. Because they, it seems like they actually enjoy baseball. They're like not so normal announcers, and I mean that in the most respectful way possible because so many announcers now bitch about the way the game is, and Joe and Oral just Rick absolutely Monday. embrace it, and I love it. Like, they they don't care. Yes. Oral Hershiser's an old player, and he is yes. not out there. He's out here like, yes, bat flip, yes, get pissed off, yes, <laughs> give it to me. Yes. And when he doesn't and when he doesn't agree, he's like, oh, I don't agree, and he just leaves it at that. So I'm like, cool. You don't, you're not trying to push your opinion on everyone. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're not he trying. Like, asks questions and says, oh, this is how I did it. Not that yeah. that way is better. Yeah, and like, then Joe will be like, yes. a, almost like a younger, like almost like his young son, like, no, dad, this is how we do it now. And he's like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh, they're such a, they're Total so difference between Joe working with Oral and Joe working with John Smoltz in the playoffs. Oh God, yeah, yeah, very different. Oh, I didn't listen to is John Smoltz bad. He's just he's the, he's playing. The, he's he strikes me as a he's guy. The old man. Yeah, he strikes he's, me as that type of person. He's literally the man that yells on the clouds because kids are doing bat, like yells at the clouds because kids are doing bat flip. It's awful. He's so horrible to listen to complain. He's like a shift for every little thing. In and my like, day, we never nobody's did. Nobody's giving bases. Like I don't know why he's so mad about that. Yeah, he's get, he's very mad that baseball's not traditional and not the way that it used to be and is fun now. Fun, much more fun. See, here's the thing. Everything grows and sometimes they even come back full circle. A baseball will probably end up coming back full circle. When, I don't know, but it'll happen at some point. Just relax, old man. It's yeah, okay. just like, just enjoy it. You know, if the product on the field... The players that I didn't mean to say product. If the players on the field are happy, they are putting out a good product for fans. And that's really all that matters right now. Um, we've seen it. Baseball has kind of taken a dive in the last year, unfortunately, due to all the public spats between ownership and uh, players and just uh, having a COVID season. So um, having the announcers bitch on top of it does not help the sport grow. So please stop doing no. that. We would all appreciate and, it. Like I, I know Rick Monday likes baseball. But sometimes when he talks about it, I just question it. Like, why are you here? Yeah, like, that's how I where's, feel listening where's to Nomar. Where's Jimmy? Uh, where's uh, I almost said Jimmy. Where's what's his name? Scott Harrison. Oh, Scott Jerry. Harrison. Jerry Harrison. Yeah, like, brother. I, could they really be any worse? No, they just probably. They're not usually their broadcast guys unless they have to fill uh, in. I mean, with yeah, someone, I, I get so. it, but I would like to see Nomar get a shot. Nomar would. Nomar. He could does be fill in for Oral every now and then. Yeah, he does. It's always. Oh, okay. Yeah, sometimes no, no Mars not he's not he doesn't like bitch he's just kind of like I don't he doesn't seem like he necessarily cares to sit around and talk about the game on the broadcast <laughs> sometimes. But I mean that's not the worst case in the world if you want to just let Joe talk most of the time and then just throw your well, analysis. Then, uh, Jerry because Jerry seems like he thoroughly Jerry enjoys loves to talk. <laughs> so and that's probably that's probably why they don't have him on there that much because. <laughs> that dude loves that dude will talk baseball with you nonstop, and I fully respect it because hey, he loves the game the way it is, and that's exactly the type of enthusiasm we yes, need from people talking exactly. about the game. Um, but Even with that tell through his tweets that he thoroughly enjoys talking about baseball. Oh, he like, loves it. it. He's he's a competitor. The way he talks about Michael Jordan, everything. Like he just yeah. he loves sports, he loves being a part of it, and you can even see that in the way that he's always posting about working out with his uh, younger kids who are in sports right now. So um, yes, get more people in baseball so, that so love baseball. Salute to you, Jerry Harrison, man. It's good, it's good for I, sports. I respect it. I appreciate it, honestly. Yeah. Get people in baseball who love baseball. It's good for the sport. Um, so that but, means Manfred, you need to go because you don't yeah. love baseball. No, he's he needed to go a long time ago, but that's yeah. a whole conversation on its own. Um, and with that said, the Dodgers game starting in about an hour. So yeah, uh, yeah, we're right on time. Um, I've got nothing else to say. I don't know if you do. Um, uh, no, I think I'm good here. Perfect. Other than that, as always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Make sure you hit that follow, subscribe button wherever it is you are listening. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave that rating and review. You can find us on social at Dodgy Yard on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can find me at Randy underscore Radcliffe on Twitter and IG. Uh, you can go to allmylinks.com slash konu, K-O-N-U, and find my social medias on there. Also, um, the Dodger Dog Show. Yes, actually, no, thank you for bringing that up because uh, we do have a couple new podcasts. We do have the LA Dodger Dog Show where he brings on uh, some of the most diehard baseball fans, ones you guys will see all over Twitter, Instagram, and even around the stadium because of their awesome costumes they wear. Um, and then we also have, it's called Neighbor Ball. It's kind of a look into the other side of things. Uh, it's with our ex executive editor, Tavi. She 
pretty much finds fans from other teams and kind of talks to them about it from a different perspective. And if the Dodgers have rivalries, they kind of go into that. So it's a lot of fun to see it from a different perspective. It's, it's it, especially for baseball fans. If you're a big baseball fan, just in general, that's a fun one to check out. Um, both of those are on Spotify. We tweeted about them, but like I said, uh, neighbor ball, you can find on Twitter and the LA Dodger dog show, same thing, Twitter, Instagram, uh, check those out. And like I said, we appreciate you guys tuning in, giving us a listen. Uh, make sure you share the podcast. If you have any questions, let us know and we will do our best to answer them. Other than that, I hope you guys have a good rest of your night, morning, afternoon, weekend, whenever it is you listen to this. And we will catch you all next week to talk about Dodger baseball one last time before it starts to count again. So with that said, I hope everyone has a great rest of their day and we'll see you guys next week. Good, okay.